One silver medalist turned to his buddy in the, uh, uh, they were synchronized diving champions. You couldn't get me to jump off of one of those things. I know how high they are. Uh, much less do all that and try to do it together. It's something that create, it takes a great deal of precision and excellence and incredible development through the years. And, and we've been discovering, not only is it true at the Olympics, but it's true in the life of every Christian, that often we find traction to really grow in excellence in who we are in disciples in Christ when someone comes alongside us to walk that out with us. So, some peer, some mentor, some sponsor. It's interesting that when the God of heaven sent us his Holy Spirit, his another comforter, His gift to us by which we would not be left orphans or or be alone. When he sent his paraclete, his self called alongside us to help. Paraclete. We went through that last week. You know, one called alongside. (laughs) Diving with us in tandem through life. We're never alone. But the Spirit... Is, is, is an unseen force as much as it can be felt. And what a gift is it to each of us when we let that Holy Spirit have His come alongside and help ministry through us with one another. I believe every Christian has the potential to be an incredible mentor simply because that Spirit lives inside every Christian. It's he who comes alongside and helps. So how do we do things as Jesus did when Jesus is no longer around in his bodily presence for us to to learn from? Often it's the Holy Spirit working through another. That was true. We've discovered for Barnabas and John Mark, we've talked about their relationship. We've talked about Barnabas and Saul who became Paul. We've talked about Paul And Timothy, we'll talk a little bit more about that today. But if it had not been for that partnership, John Mark would have probably been lost to some other distraction in life far beyond he ever penned the gospel of Mark. Without Barnabas in his life, Saul would have probably remained rejected and retired and shelved in Tarsus, not just for 13 years, but probably the rest of his life, had Barnabas not sought him out and discipled him mentored him. They walked together in life, and it made all the difference for Saul. Or or Paul and Timothy. Timothy, who had a great gift within him, but was so timid about expressing it that it took Saul, Paul, the apostle, who without him, the whole Western church would not... Gentiles, think about it. If it hadn't been for Saul, we might still be a Jewish sect. You know, we, we think of Paul as the apostle to the Gentiles, and that sounds like some people from Mars. You know, the Gentiles, look around. If you're not Jewish, you're one of them. I'm one of them. Had it not been for Paul and Barnabas's mentoring of Paul, where would we be? What incredible traction the faith has had through the years because of these kinds of relationships. And very briefly this morning, I want us to focus on how it is that these kind of mentoring relationships can form. They're clearly God's design, a way of helping, a way of us coming alongside one another. In Ephesians 4, 15 through 16, what does it say? But that we are to speak the truth 
uh, in love, that each of us may grow up into the fullness of Christ. Well, I'm going to butcher it. I'm just going to turn there real quick. Uh, Ephesians. God's electric power. Ephesians 4, beginning with verse 15. But speaking the truth in love, we are to bring, uh, we are to grow up. If you want to grow, here's how you do it. In all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part. In the body of Christ, what are the individual parts? Can I see a hand raised? That's you, right? You are the individual parts. So what are the joints? Those are the relationships that tie the parts together. That we are to grow up in love. I I found it amazing. He was talking about a, a very defined expertise, synchronized diving. And yet, what did he say that his mentor had given him? Love. Wow. When most of us think of mentoring, we think we have to have some kind of specialized gift or, or gifting or, or experience in order to pass along to someone else. But the essential, the thing that carries all the freight of mentoring is not some expertise. It is actually love that we are to grow up by, every joint, by that which every joint supplies according to the proper working of each individual part causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in expertise... In love. As I've talked to, to, to people who have been my key mentors, one that I'm thinking of right now would probably tell you that the greatest mentor of his life, the presence that he misses the most in his life is his grandfather. I, I can't hear him bring him up with his eyes not misting and him just being in awe of the wisdom and love in which that grandfather held and shaped his life. His grandfather was no genius. His grandfather had no expertise. But when love comes alongside us and a mentor, it's amazing how it gathers expertise and anything else it needs to, in love, edify the other and build the other up. God didn't waste anything. Any tool that we have enlisted in love can become something that we use in mentoring. But how do these mentoring relationships form? First of all, let's look. If you'll turn to Acts, we've talked about a few of these relationships. In Acts chapter 13, let me read it to to you and you tell me. I'm particularly looking at how the relationship between John Mark was established with Barnabas. Chapter 13. Now, there was at Antioch, in the church that was there, prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simeon, who were called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene, and Menaean, who had uh, been brought up with uh, Herod the Tetrarch, and, and Saul. So, so what's, that's the church staff. Are you with me? That's the church staff in this place. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Barnabas and and Saul, they were already a duo, already connected in this kind of mentoring relationship. But how did John Mark get get in on it? Then when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, who's them? Saul and Barnabas, right? Right? When he laid their hands on them, 
John Mark isn't a part of this. They sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And when they had reached uh, Salamis, a little town in Cyprus, they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. How in the heck did he get in the picture? Here, I I, want to say this and say it very clearly. I've said it before, and many of us have missed it. How do mentoring relationships form? Not by the assignment of the church staff. Only by the initiative of those who are involved. If you don't want this to happen, it ain't ever going to happen. If you're not willing to take some initiative in it happening, no one's going to do this to you. Are you with me? This is totally by self-initiative. I, John Mark wasn't mentioned by the elders of the church as one that they were sending out. Somehow, by the time that they got to Cyprus, John Mark had already just become their helper. How did that happen? Well, I think Barnabas had known John Mark from his days in Jerusalem. Saul, when he was converted, went to Jerusalem first, was there rejected by the church, but he had probably become aware of the home church that was in Jerusalem where John Mark's mom led that home team. And in that home team, Peter came, you know, after he was released. And it was, it was central to the life in Jerusalem, these kind of home churches that they had with one another. Perhaps there, John Mark had gotten to know uh, Barnabas. And, 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 and John Mark had gotten to know Saul at least a little bit. And, and maybe they were just traveling. Maybe he was already there in Cyprus and they showed up. Can you see this? Oh, What are you doing here? What am I doing here? What are you doing here? I thought you were up in Antioch. No, Antioch sent us down here. That's why we're here. And you're here? Well, come with us. Do you think they they sent a letter back home to Antioch to see if they got the church board's approval? No. It was a a relationally initiated. This is not going to happen unless we are responsive to this being something that we can own for ourselves. That was true, I think, in Acts 13. In chapter 16, Paul picks up Timothy as his uh, uh, apprentice, sponsee. And he came to Derby and to Lystra, and behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy, the son of, the Jewish, of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Who else had that heritage? Saul. His mother was a Jewess, and his... his father was a Greek. Interesting how those, that kind of heritage became a, a, a resource for the one who was sent to proclaim the news of a Jewish Messiah coming to the world to the Gentile population. Isn't it? God doesn't waste a thing. Doesn't waste a thing. Now up until that time, having a Gentile father would have probably in the Jewish uh, uh, Jewish community been seen as a uh, a stigma. And he was well spoken of, this, this guy who was the son of this Jewish woman and this Greek father. And he was well spoken of by the brethren and, uh, that were in Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted this man to go with him. Did the church in Lystra assign him? No. Paul wanted him to, to go with him. And, and he took him and circumcised him. Because of the Jews who were in those parts, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. Now, 
I'm, I'm not suggesting that you have to check out the other's commitment to this mentoring relationship quite so severely. Uh, boy, there's some lines there I'm not even going to pick up, pick up as a pastor right now. That way. But, but he, he, he was all in, right? And, and the reason that uh, Paul had him circumcised was because he was taking a message to the, to the Gentiles that they would not have to become good Jews before they became Gentiles. But, so that message would not be discredited and someone say, well, you're just taking the easy way out. We see this Greek kid that's with you. And then he could then say, not so fast, folks. Even though that is his freedom, he is already so bowed in submission to being a, a minister that this will not be a problem. He's already been circumcised. For the sake of the message, in no way being challenged, Timothy was willing to be circumcised. He's a grown kid. This is not an infant. This is no eighth day uh, circumcision. Uh, Paul chooses Timothy. He asks him to go along with him. This is not anything that's put upon us by somebody from the outside. There has to be a, a mutual resonance and agreement with this. My next point is, is rapport. John Mark had developed that kind of rapport and trust with Barnabas and Saul from their time in Jerusalem. Timothy uh, had developed uh, in some kind of relationship while Paul was in Derby and Lystra, Paul checked out this kid with, with others. He, became, he, he, he knew of his reputation. He not only knew of his reputation, he knew of his own story, recognized him. His heritage is half Jew, half Greek. And that must have resonated with Paul. He was half Jew and half Greek. They had some things that were in common. They both had a, had a, had a thirst to see the gospel reach their Gentile world. I wonder if Timothy came to Paul after one of his messages and said, my father's a Greek, and I'm not sure that he knows anything of God. Maybe he doesn't even know Christ. Please pray for my father. You say that you are the messenger to the Gentiles. Come home with me. I can just imagine those kind of things happening. While Paul was in Lystra, and he saw the character of this young man, he saw the hunger of his heart, and he said, you go with me. There was a rapport, a resonance, a sharing of stories, a sense that the path that you're walking is one that I'm deemed to walk as well. We can walk together here. Just this last week, I had somebody call me. It's amazing. I, I'm te- preaching this, this series. I had someone completely out of the blue, someone I hadn't talked to in over a year and a half, call me up. He's a minister uh, here in town, a young minister. He called me up and he said, hey, th- I know this is crazy and it kind of takes you off guard, but uh, I- I'm wanting a mentor and I feel led to call you. Does that make any sense to you? And I wanted to say, no, 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 no. I, I, I don't know this guy. I don't have time for this. Probably the same things you say. When you consider an opportunity like that. But I thought, I'm preaching it. Good grief. How can I say no to this right now? You know what I mean? Just, this is, these were the kind of thoughts that were running through the mind of your sanctified pastor. And... Uh, I, 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 I called him by name and I said, you know, I, I know who you are, but I don't know your story. I don't even know what you're looking for out of a mentor relationship. I said, uh, sounds like we need to do lunch somewhere and, and feel this out. So we, we did lunch. I got to know his story a little bit better. If you feel that there may be someone 
that, that, that you could have a mentoring relationship with, one of you has got to venture the ask, either the mentor of the mentee or the mentee of the mentor. In that case, he came to me. We met. I'm still not sure this is right. You know why? Because we're still answering some of these questions. Uh, once the request is made, you explore the fittingness, the call to do this. I'm discovering that he has some of the same struggles that I've had in ministry. Uh, we share that context. But I also didn't want to just get to know his story and he started to get to know mine. The truth of the matter is he, he knew of me and had heard my story. I'd shared in the context where he ministers uh, uh, several times, been there and shared my testimony and so forth. So he knew more about me than I knew about him. But when it comes to exploring, you have to get to know each other's stories. You have to see what connections are there. I needed to explore with him, well, what are your goals in this? What are you wanting to get out of this? I didn't know if I could help him along or not. And he, he didn't even know what his goals were. He just thought mentoring was cool. That's a good place to start. But how do I know if I'm going to be a good mentor for you if I don't even know what the goals are that you're striving after? Do I have anything to contribute to that? Can I come alongside that? So we started to talk about his goals. On one lunch period, we couldn't get through all of that. My next questions to him are going to be, why me? Why do you think I can contribute to you meeting your goals? After exploring that, then we've got to get on to forming this relationship. If both of us feel led of the Lord to, to walk this out and, and to see what the Lord does with it, then comes the forming stage. It begins with simple calendaring. When can we get together regularly? It's important that you get together regularly, not just as it happens or as crises arise. You know why? Because this gives you traction of continual development. It becomes part of the routine of your life. To have this check-in with this point. It's a pit stop in your laps of this race. It's important to calendar it. To have a first and second Monday of the month. We'll meet together at, at, at well, where every other Christian in, in Tulsa meets together for mentoring purposes. It's called Panera Bread. <laughs> I swear that place is more sanctified than most churches I know during the week. A place, a time. Once you know the goals of, of, of what you want to see developed, and as I ferreted out some of his goals, they, they weren't about professional development as a minister. He, he, he wanted to hear how, uh, he, he wants some help in, in balancing his life. He's a young family man, and, and he, 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 he sees me as someone who's walked through that season of my life, and I might have something to offer him. We haven't confirmed that yet, but, but uh, uh, I've walked that out. I know something about the difficulties of that. I know both successes in that and failures in that. I might have a few things to contribute to that. But when we get together, if that's a part of his life that he wants growth in, you can bet for sure as his mentor, every time we meet together, there will be some question that, that reveals how he's doing in that particular struggle of development of his life. The questions that you ask on a weekly basis ought to match the goals that you are pursuing after that, it becomes a matter of content, especially in Christian discipleship. We want to disciple somebody else by something more than just our own opinions. How is it that you listen to God in the midst of this formative relationship, both you as a mentor and you as a mentee? I've met with others for breakfast before, and it was our habit just to open up the Bible, read some verses that we left off on the week before, and talk about what it meant to one another. Wasn't anything complicated, but God could speak into our relationship at that time. 
Coming up very soon, Barbara Schneeberg will be leading a class this fall in our church called Scriptures Alive. You can come and you can, she can show you how it is you with another person can sit down with the Scriptures and read it in such a way that it becomes a spoken, felt word to you now where you're living and support one another and how to take action steps to live that out. I suggest some kind of content other than just your own opinions and your own expertise. You may have a curriculum like Operation Timothy, which is great for discipleship. I can get you copies of that. You might find a book that focuses on that, level, that, that goal of development that your, that your partner shares. But Jesus told us not just to learn about his ways... But I will be with you until the end of the age that you might teach them to observe all that I've taught you. To live it out. Here's where the mentoring relationship really finds traction. It's in a regular application of the word and a partnership by which to find traction. To stick with those goals and to live them out. Once you're challenged by the content, then the collaboration becomes. Well, if I hear you right... What this is challenging you to do is, is this. Is that right? How do you think that ought to take shape this next week in your life? These next two weeks until we meet again. This next month until we meet again. Well, if that caught traction in your life and in your circumstance, what would that look like? And, and as a mentor, I'd take that down as Bill Gillingham did for me on his little three by five cards. And I'd keep that in a pocket or someplace in the car. So the next time we get together, I can pull out my three by five card and say, how's it going here? With your action steps. Not as a matter of criticism uh, or uh, some kind of shaming, but rather coming alongside, helping one another continue to find traction on on those things in discipleship that we really intend to do, but when they're only our private intention, we often just let them get pushed out by all the busyness of life. Collaboration may not be just action steps for them to to act out in the time in between, you may actually take action steps together. Go serve in the prison ministry. Be a part of a ministry at the church. Lead a men's Bible study in one of your homes. There's all kinds of ways that you can be in ministry together if it relates to the goals that you feel God calling you to. After forming comes norming and evaluating. You've got a plan? When to meet, what to go over, what to ask, what to do. Now, work your plan For a specified season, say, okay, we're going to take this on for six months and see where it takes us. Doesn't have to be that long, however long you want it to be. And then at that time, make a point to evaluate where you are, how you've progressed. To evaluate if it's working. And if it's not working, is it not working because I'm missing something of my own personal investment to put into this? Is it missing because of... How we've shaped this partnership. Is there something missing that we need to add to the format of what we're doing? Or has this relationship grown to the point that we've now achieved those goals and we're no longer finding any traction in those goals? And we need to be honest with that and say, hey, it's time for us to be released. My goal is now this. I need to find a mentor for whom that is the sweet spot of what they want to pass along. And, And then comes an important thing of releasing one another. If ever you get to that point that you're, you're sensing that it's time to find another mentor or these goals accomplished and celebrated, it's time to move on. Don't start the blame game of 
why this isn't working. Well, it's your fault or it's your fault. Instead, celebrate the development. Celebrate one another's contributions. I highly suggest that at that moment, if you have been the mentee to write a written letter of thanks to the person who has been your mentor, something of a lasting testimony to their investment in your life. Finally, there's rewards. I think you'll find, as I have, when I've been in a mentoring relationship with someone who was mentoring me, that there are results in my life and in my ministry that it would have been squandered had they not been walking alongside of me. There's traction that wasn't there when I was trying to do it alone. You'll find transformation in you, not just results around you, but transformation in you. You'll develop healthier habits and patterns. But it's more than just what you've done or how you've developed. When you invest yourself in these kind of relationships, it results of the building up of one another in love. There is a relational benefit to mentoring that's hard to find in any other kind of relationship. Paul called Timothy his true child in the Lord. He called him my son. And the words that he uses, those are words of great affection The relationship itself is a powerful reward. So I want to ask you this morning, are you ready to let the Holy Spirit have his chance to work through you with his come alongside to strengthen ministry? With this mentoring kind of ministry. How do you do this? I'm not going to assign it to you. I'm not going to say, you do this, and you do, these two people come together. Pastor Chris has ordained this, and now you must learn to like each other and get along and, and become bosom buddies with one another. That is not going to happen. No one is going to force anybody to do this. But I think for us to do this, to be helped to do this, it's great for us to know if there's anybody else even interested. Who, who might those people be? But anonymously this morning, there's a green sheet in your, in your bulletin. I want you to pull that out if you've got that handy, a little green half sheet that's a survey of, uh, tell me they're in there. Yes, they're in there. Awesome. Uh, a, a little survey. I, I, I foreshadowed it last week, but this week I want you to look through it. And as you go down through that, I want you to check every one of those boxes that are true for you. Now, this is a completely anonymous survey unless you want to out yourself, okay? You're in complete control of that. Can I get a testimony that Pastor Chris has forced no one to do anything this morning? Can, can we, the, the, this is at your initiative, right? So go down through that. If any of that applies to you, if you're already in a relationship, a mentoring relationship, that's something that would be cool to know. I'd like to know that 50 of us already have these kind of mentoring relationships. This is nothing new for us. I'd like to know if it's four or if it's 40 people who are interested in developing these kinds of relationships. Now, if you get down to the very bottom, there's also a place there for if you're interested, I I, want to help you by displaying your interest in such a way that others might be aware of it. Now, if you're comfortable with that, put your name there and your contact. Next week, I hope to have a board that will give us some of these results in anonymous form. But also, if you'd like to find a mentor or a mentee, I'd like to post your name with your interest. 
All the people who want to be mentored here, all the people who want to be mentees here, if you've signed up for both those things, we'll have your names in both places, though you cannot mentor yourself. That does not work very well. And also, they will be divided into men and women categories. We don't do this across gender lines, all right? But, but I would like to display that someplace discreetly out here in, in, the, in the atrium where you could walk by and go, wow, that person that I thought might, they're interested in this. Maybe that'll help you cross the the line of making an ask. Where where do you find a place where you can get to know somebody the way Paul got to know Timothy, the way Barnabas got to know John Mark? In just a few weeks, starting September 11th, we'll be reforming our home teams, places that are designed for people to come together on a regular basis and become acquainted with each other's story. I don't know of a place more pregnant with potentiality for mentoring then those places will be. You may not have anybody in mind. Or you may have somebody in mind already. Please don't display my name on the board. I don't want to be saying no to all these other people until I ask this person that I've already decided I want to ask. Leave me out of that. But, but it's up to you. Okay? I, I want to facilitate this. I don't want to force this. I, I want us to have that opportunity. And listen, you, you do not have to get this started this week. This month. Maybe it's a season of a whole fall that you ferret out who these people might be. Who might be your Timothy and who might be your Barnabas if you're standing in the place of Saul. I think it's most healthy if all of us have both of those relationships in our life. Both someone who's mentoring us and someone that we're mentoring. And those kinds of relationships in our lives can uh, bless both. Let me close with this. As you're filling that out, I'm going to invite you forward for communion in a moment. And and you need to fill it out now because up here at the front, where you usually pass by the front seat in your section is a little basket. I want you to place those green uh, surveys in there as a tally. So bring them forward with you. Drop them in the basket. If you're a person that hates timed tests and you want more time, feel free to take more time. Okay? But, but, but fill that out. Drop those here. If you can get them to me before I post them next week, that would be great. Do that however you would like. Just this last week in, in the Olympics, I, I hope you noticed. Did anybody watch the ladies' gymnastics? The individual uh, medals? Let's try the next slide here real quick. Uh, these, were, these were two folks that were... There they are. Uh, what are their names? Simone and, and, and Allie? Uh, after years of, of, of development, they, they finally came to that moment where they now are the victors. Uh, a gold medal and a silver medal. And if you knew their background stories and how they've mentored one another, how they've encouraged each other and pushed one another and brought one another along, the, these, are, these are allies. These are mentorees of, of really of one another. Allie, bless her heart, was made fourth by some rules thing, even though she had won the same score as the bronze medalist of the last Olympics. She was left behind. She, many thought she was too old to come back. But this young gal, who was the best of all time, believed in her. She is now the silver medalist at this Olympic Games. But did you catch this moment? It was their last rotation. Medals were on the line. And as they marched to their last rotation, their last uh, contest against one another, the floor exercise, all the other athletes were walking as individuals. 
Did you see this? All of them were walking as individuals except these two. And as they went to that last, that's what you saw. You saw these two girls take each other in the hand. They were speaking confidence into each other. I know you can do this. I see a gold medal in you. Just one more. We can do this. We've worked for this. We know that we can do this. Can you imagine the kind of, and in that last exercise, they absolutely nailed it. Pushed it over the top. Both of them were absolutely superb. And immediately when it was over, they sought out each other's embrace. It was an amazing kind of testimony to the richness of relationship when it gets this real and finds this kind of traction. Do you want a relationship like that? Do you want to come to know the intimacy of the Holy Spirit working through someone else to shape your own life? Well, then I invite you to this meal. This meal where Jesus says He pours out His Holy Spirit anew in us That we might pour ourselves out, Dennis, to one another. Our praise team is going to come and uh, I don't know exactly what we were doing. I thought Dennis was coming back. Oh, communion. Y'all are playing while we take communion. Let's pray together. Lord God, we thank you for your grace to us for your power to infill us, that we might make not only ourselves, but you through us, available to one another. We thank you that on the night that you gave yourself up for us, you took bread, gave thanks to the Father, and you broke the bread as you gave it to your disciples, saying, take and eat. This is my body, which is given for you. And after supper, the cup, You gave thanks to the Father and you gave it to your disciples saying, take and drink from this all of you. For this is the cup of the new covenant poured out for you and poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, Lord, we do these things in remembrance of you. We pray that we could live like you, even as we pray like you, by the power of your Holy Spirit. As we pray as you taught us, saying, our Father who art in heaven, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. We invite